leading multi-platform storytelling. Welcome to another Story Labs podcast. For more info, go to storylabs.us. Um, so I first wanted to sort of talk about how I got into this space and specifically around storytelling and participatory storytelling. Um, so as I mentioned the other day, I started off as an artist and I started off as a sculptor and I started making uh, spaces and experiences and installations and they, I ended up getting into these spaces where I could just watch how people, I basically was creating spaces where people could come and communicate and talk to each other and tell each other's stories and that was so exciting to me to watch, to watch people physically getting up, physically doing things, physically talking to strangers, and and really getting immersed in the space. It's that moment when you're in a book or a movie or a play or something, when you're just so in it that you don't see outside of it at all. And I thought that was really exciting. And so uh, when I started hearing about sort of multi-platform and transmedia, cross-platform, whatever you want to call it, I thought this is sort of the perfect place to, to reach a wider audience but do the same thing. And so it was sort of a space where the physical and the virtual met, where you could go back and forth between these different worlds, online, offline, and, and it was just really exciting for me. Um, but I think the thing around participation is that participation isn't new. It's, you know, around the campfire, different rituals around the world, uh, from, you know, church services, dance services, concerts. I mean, humans are participatory people. We get together, we tell stories, we do things together. Um, you know, we're participatory by nature. This is something that we do quite commonly and quite often. Um, but I think the 20th century is going to see as a bit of a blip. Uh, it's going to be, it was a place where really a lot of our media started talking to us. It ended up being a monologue. I am telling you this story. You're listening to me. And, and you know, and, and that's a wonderful place to be. There are moments for that that are fantastic. But I think, you know, as a culture, we, we do like to engage. And I think the digital revolution really has started this. And it's really enabled us all to be in a space where we can actually, you know, have lots, we have, can have conversations with people. And these are just some of the ways we can do it, you know, Facebook, Twitter, movies, films, uh, live events, like there's, there's so many ways that we can contribute and be part of that conversation and be part of those stories. Um, and I think that that's one of the most exciting times because it brings all of this knowledge that all of us and all of you, whether, you know, filmmakers, storytellers, uh, producers, distributors, everybody, I mean, we get to be part of this conversation and we get to be part of this story. Um, and there's tons of ways to do it. I mean, these are just some of the ways you can do it. You know, there's people get involved through fan, fan fiction, there's co-play games, there's ARGs, uh, flash mobs live events. I mean, the, the, the options are overwhelming sometimes, um, but there are also amazing possibilities to really reaching people to the things that they do and they love to do and, and that really make them feel connected um, to whatever it is that you're involving them in. Um, so I'm basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through two projects that I'm working on. One is a, a film, and I've been asked to do the, the marketing for it, and then the other one is a story world we're working on. Just to talk about different ways that you can use participatory actions to bring people in, to build audiences, to get them in your stories, and I thought the comparison might be a good way to just sort of show you different ways you can do it. Um, so I'll go through each story, and then I'll go through some, I'll pick out some parts that I think are kind of relevant for you guys. So the first is a film called uh, Take This Waltz. So Take This Waltz is a film by uh, a Canadian darling who we all love in Canada uh, called Sarah Polly, and it's starring Michelle Williams, Seth Rogen, and Sarah Silverman. 
So this film has already been made, and it was released at TIFF this year, um, and uh, its theatrical release is in eight months. So what they they had asked me to do was, um, it was actually a distribution company called Mongrel, um, an uh, advertising company called Fresh Baked had applied for um, funding to do experimental marketing around um, uh, one of their movies, uh, which I thought was wonderful. And so basically, um, they... Um, I just had this this project to go out and experiment, and the idea is to build an audience and get a buzz around the film. That was sort of what they wanted me to do. Um, so there was a bunch of catches. Uh, there was a huge long span of time between when the TIFF release was and the, the theatrical release, so it's not till next spring. Um, the filmmaker was very protective. She'd been burnt in the past around sort of some branded entertainment, so she was very careful and cautious around her film, so I couldn't use any character storylines. Uh, two songs from the film I could use, nothing else. Like, it was very kind of this world. And we have a very, very very tiny budget for it. Um, So the way that we, um, but, you know, uh, we kind of talked about it, and we kind of really do believe these these sentiments that Mike Vanella was talking about, about how the best storytelling devices have been rooted in human behaviors and desires, which again goes back to our participatory nature of of what we do and how we do it. And we also believe that... um, Digital media is inherently a platform for these kind of conversations, these kind of activities, and these kind of movements. So we really wanted to use it as, as for what it is and try not to force it to be something that it wasn't. So we decided to create a multi-platform campaign that would hopefully engage our audience around and grow an audience around this film over the eight months. So what we created was something called The Conversation. Um, and what we did was we based it on the themes and ideas of this movie. So the movie is essentially about sort of love and loss and fidelity and heartbreak. And uh, what we found was that when um, any of us or anyone we knew saw the movie, the thing we did is we got out and we all talked about our own heartbreak and our own love and our own loss. And so we thought that that was something that really resonated with everyone. So we would use that core theme. Because um, we all love to talk about love. <laughs> I mean, you can sort of start a conversation with pretty much anyone, and they'll have some sort of opinion on it, good or bad. Uh, so one thing I was allowed to use, I suggested that we use these open-ended statements from the film, um, and uh, which to invite the audience to come in, and they would be able to uh, um, engage and use these as, as starting points for engaging in the project. So what we created was a immersive space that was active, something that was going to be ongoing, something that would be able to bring them in and get them engaged without having seen the movie and, and start to build a community around people that really liked the same sort of things and had the same sort of ideas. So um, what we have, what we've created is essentially a, a participatory art gallery online. And so people can send in uh, tweets or pictures or um, you know, music or any little things that they want that talk about love and how they feel about love. And so there's two ways to engage in it. You can either go through and flip through the galleries and see what other people think about it. And you can also respond by adding your own things in. And they're fairly simple methods. Um, we're keeping it pretty simple as to what people can contribute just so that the, the, level, the barrier of entry is really low. So it's easy and comfortable for people to go in there. Um, we're also um, adding in some, uh, you know, uh, one of the other themes from the movie is that it is incredibly Canadian. It is incredibly Toronto-based. It was filmed 
filmed in the city. Often Toronto is portrayed as other cities in movies, um, but this time it was actually was Toronto. All, all the artists, there, one of the characters is an artist, it's local artwork, all the musicians are Canadian, so we wanted to also feed with that. So we um, also invited Canadian artists um, and writers uh, to contribute as well, so that when people contribute their work, their work is in a gallery with um, you know some of the more famous Canadian artists and writers and filmmakers. Um, I had a quite hilarious conversation with uh, Guy Madden, who made the, the collage on the top there, sort of the middle of the night, and he got so excited about doing this, he just kept sending me stuff, and I actually had to make him stop. And he kept rescanning the same things, but crooked, and then sending them back and sending them back. And, but So uh, people were very excited about being able to send his artwork to be part of it. And these are just some of the things that we've been sent, so different poems and photographs and collages. And uh, again, it is a multi-platform project, and the core of this project is love. The core of this project is anything to do with love, and that's really um, what it is. And then all of the platforms come out from there. So we have Facebook, Twitter, live events, uh, music events, conversations between people, uh, the movie itself, and we'll have a mobile app as well. Uh, so we've started to build it, and this is the main page. Um, and I'll just kind of go through them. Um, and then we have, uh, this is one of the galleries where people can submit stuff and it'll just keep growing as they go. And you can go back between the different statements to see how people are reacting to different, to different parts of the conversation. Um, and then we have a Facebook page as well um, that people can come and add things to and uh, just comment on as well. This is the only place that people can comment. We decided not to do that on the site because we really wanted people to contribute to the conversation through our work and through creativity. Um, and then obviously a Twitter one as well. And so Twitter can go both ways. We both send stuff out, but also uh, when you're on the web page, you can um, you can actually use the hashtags and and send um, uh, end the statements, the open-ended statements with your own message, and it'll get sent out through here as well. Um, and then we have live events, and the live events have been really fun so far. So we basically created a photo booth, and we've had it at two events. Uh, one um, was at the launch for the film, and the other one was at uh, an event called Nuit Blanche, which is an all-night art event in Toronto. Um, we thought that would hit our demographic, and it seemed to work really well. So people were given the opportunity. We had some of the phrases across the top, and they could write in chalk their phrases. Uh, some of them were cute. Some of them were funny. Some of them were heartbreaking. Uh, when they started to get too drunk, we went home because we didn't need that, um, but they were entertaining for us. Um, and then we just handed out little cards that, that told people where they could find us and see their photos. We're in the process of creating a mobile app as well, uh, which will be based on the gallery, so you can uh, hopefully uh, you'll be able to submit and you'll be able to, to go through everybody else's projects as well. We're still figuring out exactly the, the mobile aspect of it. Um, and then one of the really core things for us, because this was an experiment that the, this distributor and advertising agency did, was that we really needed to make sure that the analytics um, were clear. Uh, we need to really be able to report back well at the end of this so that we can see what we're doing. We can prove how these things are working or not working. And also one of the nice things with it as well is that it gives us some agility throughout the year that if things are going badly or going well, we can, or we can sort of adjust for that and, and figure out as we go along. But it really gives 
gives us the space for the, you know, as for especially, like, I was really impressed, actually, that this distribution company and this ad company came and, and wanted to do this because they really want to see how these new forms of things are working so that they can really be of service to, to the, the movies and the, the directors that they're working with. Um, so that is that project. Um, so, I mean, the, the best part for us with this is that um, because it was um, it, the people I'm working with are really letting us explore, um, there are some frustrations, and, uh, which I'll go into a little bit later, but in general, uh, they're really just letting us be very exploratory and, and trying things out with us. Um, so the other project we're doing is called Time Tremors, and Time Tremors is actually a transmedia project that we're working on in our company that originated from Alex Mayhew, who's my business partner. And uh, this project is, um, we're developing it with a company called Xenophile Media. We have partners with CBC and the AGO. And we've been, I think as of yesterday, we've been funded from, I think, three or four different uh, agencies in, in Canada to really sort of get it started. So that's been great. Um, so the, this project, essentially what it is, the story behind it is Max and Media are these two kids and they get sent away to school and they get sent away to this boarding school and it's really not very idyllic, it's actually kind of a hideous boarding school and there's a science teacher named Miss Bugley who just likes to make all of their lives absolute hell. And uh, the school actually is on kind of a hellmouth, and uh, so. Um, but the the universe is is controlled by the celestial map, and there's all these objects on the map that whoever fills out the objects first will have control over the universe. So it's kind of a fight between Miss Bugley and Max and Meaty trying to sort of good versus evil for the universe. And so what the time tremors are is that it actually shifts in time. So objects will fall through time so the kids can go back and forth in time to find different objects to build their celestial maps. Um, so the way that it works uh, uh, for the kids is... Um, is that it's, oh, sorry, so it's, it's actually goes through all of these, these various, the story runs through all of these um, elements. So with uh, CBC, we'll have short little interstitial stories online that you can actually use your phone to, to connect with. We'll have mobile elements. Um, we're working with uh, the AGO, which is the Art Gallery of Ontario, to do our sort of first story um, where we're actually using the, the, um, the gallery and the museum pieces as part of the story so the kids can physically go in and play. Um, they can play in the street with it as well to collect objects and share and trade things with their friends. Um, and uh, we're hoping, we're, we're saying about the books, but, but we, we'd like to do that as well. And then there's the, the web portal where they can actually build their, um, their celestial maps and get more information about the story. So these are the kind of objects that they, they um, collect, share, and trade with each other. And that's sort of the main core of the game. Um, but while they're collecting and sharing these, the story is disseminated as part of it as well. Um, so some of the things that uh, have been really cool, I mean, when this idea first originated, this wasn't even all that possible. Um, but now there's all these new applications where you can actually, you know, hold your, your phone up and, and connect it to your TV. So if there's somebody, if there's something happening on the TV and it can say, you know, do this now and the kids can hold up their phone and they can see, you know, this guy here or the swarm of wasps will come out at them or, or something can happen. And, and again, it's just that connecting that real inversion Virtual worlds to really let them be immersed in this story. 
Um, and I think I talked a little bit about the, the Art Gallery of, of Ontario. Um, and so they've been actually a real fantastic partner. They're really excited about finding new ways to bring kids in. They're finding new ways for people to engage in their, in their collection and, and really getting people to explore the whole gallery instead of just parts of it. So they've been incredibly open and, and wonderful in, in giving us room space and a partnership for, for this project. Um, so it's essentially a project. But some things to consider. Um, you know, uh, the list that I'm going to go through now is not exhaustive. There's so many factors when you're creating participatory projects, but at least it'll give you kind of a brief overview of places to look at when you're thinking of doing something participatory in your work. I also just wanted to sort of like clarify something as well as not every digital project is participatory. Not every digital project has to be. Um, and there, there's levels and, uh, of, of participation. You can do a point and click and you're involved in something or a full immersive ARG where you're just in the story. So there's all sorts of levels, and again, it always goes back to your story, always goes back to your audience. So, uh, so the first question is to ask is why? Why are you making it participatory? What does it have to do with your actual project? If it's just cool, that's not really good enough. It actually has to sort of feed into what your story is, how you're feeding your story, who your audience is, and why it's there. I mean, we're all very media savvy, even if we, we don't think we are. We can tell when something's tacked on. You know, we can see where there's this thing and someone's like, oh, shit, we need a Twitter feed for it. You know, it, if it doesn't meld well, we can feel it. We know it. Um, so it's just important to ask those questions of why and I think you know Lance did a great uh, exercise the other day where you actually go through really deep why are we doing this and I think that's important for all aspects of your projects while you're making them uh, the other thing to really look at is, is who's your audience? What are they, you know, what are they now uh, looking at? Like even that switch between, you know, people and kids going way more mobile than, than being online. I mean, those are important things to look at because if you want to tell a story for, for you know, 7 to 12-year-olds and they never go to their computer, they only play with their mobiles or their iPads, then you're really missing not only a big opportunity, but that communication is, is being disrupted because you're not hitting them where they're at. Um, I mean, it's it's a really exciting time for that too, though. I mean, I find it kind of incredibly amazing that we have access to our audience. We have all this access to find out who they are, where they are. We don't have to have these generalized demographics. They can be very specific. And I think that that's it. I mean, as not even as a, you know, sort of a, a business or a tech thing, but just as a storyteller thing, I think we all want to reach our audiences in a really you know, meaningful way. And, and if we can find them where they are, we've already taken that step to say we care enough about you to find out who you are and where you are and how you communicate with each other. And so then you can communicate with them in that way. Okay, this is, I hate this when people say to me, and then people will, when they're designing things, it makes me crazy. You don't know what people will do. You can kind of make some generalized statements. You can hope for the best. You can do things. But you have no idea exactly what people will do. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really important to be able to, you know, use your audience, test with things. The things with these kind of projects is you can actually design things uh, really well. And I think one of the things that happens often is when people think that things are participatory, they just think there's no design to it. You just open it up and then people will. But it is a very highly designed process. You design spaces for people, you test it out, you redesign, you test it out. And it's, it, it really, in order to make people do things, they actually do need that structure in there. They will do their own little things off the side, and there will be surprises, and there will be this and that, but that's why you do the user testing. But the, it is a designed experience to make people do things. It's not kind of an open-ended, 
uh, you know, and then people will do this thing. Um, and I, I'm just going to call it, it's now media. There's no new media, old media, traditional media. It's all just media. And it, we, uh, most of us use all of, uh, way more platforms than we would ever think we do. Most of us are more immersed in this than, than we wouldn't. Um, I think that, you know, this is a kind of opportunity where we can either be like, oh my God, cataclysmic, like danger, danger, danger. Or we can be like, this is an amazing opportunity. This is an amazing opportunity to be able to tell our stories in new ways, on new platforms, to new audiences. And I, for me, that's the most exciting thing. And I know that it, it often feels scary for some people to sort of make the change. But the goal is still the same. It's still telling a story. The platforms don't even necessarily have to change. And I find a lot of times people think that their skills will be devalued, but they're incredibly valuable. It's, you know, I think it's just all the things all of us have, have learned in our careers are incredibly valuable. But now it's just there's more media to do it on. But we're kind of at that space. And I won't go through this too much because Jennifer did just an awesome job at it. But, but um, I just wanted to sort of really remind you that participation is also a really great way to, to get money through either crowdfunding or engagement. And I think she talked really well about how important it is to really think of it as, as more than one thing. As it's building your business model, building your audience. These are ways you can really get people engaged, and engaged people will spend money. Because they'll feel a part of it, they'll get involved in it and engage in it. And again, they know. They know if you're really engaging them or if you're just wanting their money. They can feel it. And there's got to be some sort of you know, uh, thing in between that where you really let them feel like they're part of it all. <clears throat> um, I think uh, the most important thing is you know, not to lose the plot. The story is absolutely the key thing. Um, so, you know, storytelling is always, you know, the core of what we're doing here, I think, for most of us. And it's really the important part where we really, uh, you know, we want to make sure that that's what we're doing. And I think one of the things that's really um, amazing and engaging to be able to do is to be able to look through all of these platforms. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, to be able to look through these, these uh, platforms and really find the best platforms for our stories, find the best audience for our stories, find the best you know, ways to really be able to, to dig in and engage and, and let them know, um, like, let your story characters come out and evolve through all these different platforms. Um, and I think that, that uh, that's the way that you keep the energy of your story together. That's how you really kind of go and, and um, you, uh, you can kind of lose energy, I think, when you, you have a, a story on one platform and you don't engage the other platforms very well. Um, so those are sort of important things to look at. So I just wanted to talk a bit about some of the, the things that we've sort of learned through the two projects that, that we've been working on, the time tremors and the, the, um, uh, the conversation. So um, with the conversation, uh, uh, while we were very lucky to have a lot of room to experiment, which is wonderful, there was also, um, it was interesting working with traditional media people um, and trying to sort of switch over that, the, um, their thoughts of how to do things. And it was very much structurally. I mean, they were all in there and they really wanted to help us do this, but they don't quite understand um, not just the conversation, our project, but the conversation that's happening in media now. 
They've been working a very long time in a very particular way. So even doing things like it took us a long time to convince them that we needed a community manager. We really needed someone to take care of this project for the entire time that it existed, that it wasn't going to just happen. It wasn't just going to exist and people would come. We actually need people to manage those conversations and be there as part of it. Um, one of the conversation, or one of the, the things that we're having with them right now, so we've, I got that in the budget and I thought that was pretty great. And then... Um, and then after that, they kind of they still keep going, pushing back to a traditional marketing model where it comes out right before the film, and it kind of goes up and then um, kind of dissipates after that. And the reason that we designed it the way we did is because we had all this time to do it and to really build and take the time to build these communities because it does take time to build them, and also to explain to them what they could do with those those um, that goodwill afterwards. So it wasn't just sort of a one-off and then it's done and then a one-off, but really being able to to use these kind of skills to, to build up between films and between projects and, and to really have that, that length and that space and that expansiveness. Um, and then uh, the other ones as well, which are just not really used but are so important, are the things around um, letting your audience in, letting you know, letting them see that you know, like putting out soft launches of things and letting people try things, letting them break it, letting them try and mess with it, letting them you know in and having that user experience testing to really see how parts are working and how they're not working. Um, you know, if for an example, they um, when they hired our, our development team. Um, they had the contract for the day the website was up that that was it they were they had no more contract but we we really needed for the website to be up and then have time for people to come in and play and see if and why, why and how they were playing with our project so that we can expand and change it from there and you know I mean these are all things that I think uh, will come and people will learn it's just a real shift from a, an old model to a new model of, of kind of how and when you let people in um, to your projects and, and how and when you let them participate. Sorry, yeah, of about, course. Um, you know how PR has measured in college is sort of the tangible outcome of what they do? Yeah. When you're pitching something like a community, how do you like, indicate ROI and anything like that with a marketing department's kind of fixed budget and expected outcome? Yeah. Oh, that's why things like the analytics are so important because then you can really show how what they're doing is affecting communities and how they're building them together. I mean, the thing is, is even with traditional marketing, I mean, they have like, you know, they'll have eyeballs, but it'll be like on a billboard, so they don't quite know. Like, it's all a bit of art and science mixed together. But I actually find that, like, I usually pitch with, with using analytics of past projects and how they've worked, um, because it actually gives them real numbers to how people are, are engaging with what it is that you're doing. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even, so those things, um, I mean, I, I feel a little bit like uh, as, because I tend to work back and forth between like film and TV and interactive and I'm sort of usually the one that's, like there's sort of teams that are usually working more traditionally and uh, so I kind of feel as though all of us need to um, be the people that can go in and, and say, you know, this this is a good model for how things can work and should work and and really, you know, so we can all learn from each other and, and really push those kind of things. Um, because that's really how it's going to change. Um, I mean, I think uh, there's actually an interesting uh, article that someone sent me a few months ago, and it was from a musician 
a guy who, who works with musicians a lot, and we all sort of know how the music industry has changed over the last 20 years and, and all the problems and issues they've had. Uh, but his, his thing was basically, as a musician, as a creator, you have a responsibility to know how your business works, how all the things go, and where you can get the money from, you know, all the different parts, how the clicks work, how this and that work. And it, even if it's not your core thing, even if your core thing is maybe being a writer, being a director or something, you need to know how your business works. And I really feel that that's a really important in, in this realm as well. Even if you're not doing it all, you need to understand who all the players are. So as these, as we are working with companies that are, you know, maybe working in a more traditional model, we can really, you know, influence that. And also saying that, which is why I'm glad there's a distributor here too, is that I think distribution companies and marketing companies and uh, production companies, it's important for them as well to start to to understand the new models and take them on because it's got to be a shared responsibility. I think it's overwhelming for any kind of um, creative person to think, oh my God, now I have to do all my own marketing, I have to do all my own promotion, I have to know all this stuff about all this stuff. You know, there are people that do this stuff, and those, those relationships are, are shifting and changing, I think, for the better, so that they're balanced out there as well. Um, I mean, with uh, Time Tremors, the, the, the way that we're participating is, is much different. It's a really interesting project in terms of participation because we're using kids. And so that is a whole different realm of, of how and when and where and why. You know, I mean, we, it, it sounds so fun, and it is, to have kids outside playing with their phones, but if suddenly they run into the street, that's a huge issue. So, in, so there's just uh, different rules of participation for that one where we have to be really careful of, um, you know, and because we have so many partners on that one, there's also been, you know, CBC has very specific things about, you know, they have um, psychologists on staff that have very specific things that they want kids to learn and play with. Uh, the art gallery has very specific mandates around how they do their educational programs. Uh, we, we're being, you know, doing a lot of research into how to deal with parents when you're dealing with, with kids' games where they're out physically playing and participating so that they understand that and so that they don't get hurt. Um, so there's sort of all these different levels of participation. Um, so I think just with, with each project, there really is just a, a very um, a varied level of participation, but they are different for each one. Um, yeah, but I think the, the goal is always, always just come back to what's the plot, always come back to what's the goal. So every time you think, you know, do we want them to participate this way? Do we want to have a flash mob? Do we want to have them be able to make comments? Do we want to have them be able to do this or that? I mean, it's always about figuring out what's your story and if it relates to it. And, and if it doesn't, it's okay to throw away things. Um, and that's the other just sort of you know, thing I want to talk about as well is, you know, you can't break your story. You know, I think sometimes people get really scared when they, you know, come and they realize there's all these possibilities. But you can, you know, any of the exercises that any of the, the other mentors have given you, you can always do that at any point in your project, and you're not going to break your story. You can always go back to it. You know, if it's, if it's a TV show uh, at the beginning, and then you explore it being a multi-platform thing, and then you realize it should be a TV show, that's, you're not going to break it by exploring the other possibilities as well. <laughs> Leading multi-platform storytelling. Welcome to another Story Labs podcast. For more info, go to storylabs.us.